a lot of times I don't feel that I am the right person for the job. Like I'm not qualified to do these things I'm trying to do sometimes. Sure. Yeah. And and chances are you very well might not be. That voice is telling you that for a reason. I'm not. I'm in the that I'm in Pika's valley of despair. <laughs> Back to the valley of despair. Oh my gosh, we gotta get you out of that. Oh, I can hear the listeners right now posting comments, feedback, somebody sharing, yeah, sure, easy for you to say, where am I going to come up with the money to hire that person or hire those people? How am I going to hire this whole armada of people to help me with this stuff? Well, baby steps, right? You need enough financial clarity to be able to discern, can we afford another 500 bucks a week, 500 bucks a month? Can, what can we afford to start delegating some of this stuff out and budgeting for that, right? And, and just giving yourself just enough slack in the line to be able to start hiring some of that. And again, like I said, it's an investment. So if if that $500 a week is going to free you up and allow you guys to collect $1,000 more a week in revenue because your processes are seamless and tight, that's a no-brainer. Welcome to Clearing Obstacles, the podcast for leaders and those that want to be. You know, it can be a lonely journey when you find yourself confronted by challenges in business. So get ready to take a journey with me as together we'll hear the stories of real-life business owners and begin to unpack some common business challenges from real-life situations in a way that's both relatable and actionable for you. We bring to bear decades of entrepreneurial and coaching experience and a full toolbox of resources as we introduce you to those professionals who, like yourself, are working hard to build a healthy business and a healthy team, but then we'll also share the way out of those struggles by clearing the obstacles at their origins, helping you get there from here. Welcome to the Clearing Obstacles podcast. So good to have you here. We have Chelsea Overmeyer with us here today. Chelsea is uh, the chief of a company called Going Electric. We're going to let Chelsea tell you a little bit about that first. But a brief brief, uh, introduction here about Clearing Obstacles podcast. We do what we like to refer to as a business systems triage. We identify how a business is progressing and where it seems to be struggling. And and we try and get uh, into the the specifics of how to address those struggles in real time. Chelsea decided that she was up for that challenge today. So Chelsea, great to have you. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. I'm sure there's lots going on there going electric. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Let's start with this. Tell us a little bit about uh, the company, about going electric, about your role. Um, and um, specifically, why going electric exists? What problems do you solve for your customers? Why why is your uh, existence in this world so important? Well, it's a, it's a pretty easy answer because everyone mm-hmm. needs electricity. And we are an electrical contracting company. So mm-hmm. we go in and we our, our focus is on... Uh, Residential renovations is our, our, what we do most. And um, so we work for our target market is uh, contractors, general contractors. And so we go in and we wire, we wire homes for them. And uh, so it's pretty, it's a pretty essential business. Lots of demand for that. Uh-huh. In, entirely residential. Do you have some commercial as well? We have some commercial too. Yeah. And we seem to be shifting more into that space. Gotcha. So you're right. Everybody does need electrical. Everybody doesn't need going electric necessarily. Why do they need you? 
How do you do it differently? We are masters in our craft. Uh, We, our work is like of the best quality and Mm -hmm. the, put the most care into into the work we uh, work we do. Another cool thing about going electric is that we have a lot of women working with us, and Great. which is not very common, especially not in typical this for the industry. industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So two of our team leads, and we're a small business, but two of our team leads are women. Oh, fantastic! And then you at the helm as well. And me as well. Yeah, I started off as an electrician in mm-hmm. the in the field. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and so just recently, only in the past year, I've I've stepped away from the tools, and I'm I'm fully in the office now. But Excellent. also that year, I had a baby, so there's there's a lot that's been going on. Oh my gosh, you buried the lead there, Chelsea. That's a big one. <laughs> yeah. Impact the way. The way you show up at the company and 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 she's show up in the world. Um, uh, that much um, presence of women in uh, in a field that is traditionally much more um, uh, male, for sure. Was that by design or did it just kind of happen that way? It was both. Mm-hmm. Definitely. The intention was put out there um, around about five, six years ago. I was working, I uh, was still an apprentice at the time. I was almost, I was almost a, a, a journey person, uh, uh-huh. a licensed electrician, but I was working with all of these men and I had male apprentices. I was training male apprentices and the dynamic is tricky sometimes, especially in that male dominated yeah. field and that um, and being a woman, I also look really young. So you, I constantly had to prove myself. And on top of that, um, having uh, an apprentice under me who's male, most people turned to him, assuming that he was he was the lead on the on site. So one day, my apprentice, we we let him go for various mm-hmm. reasons. And I was like, all right, I need another, we need to find another lady I can work with. And a week later, she called and we hired her. So just serendipity, I don't know, it happened. Uh, I think it's because I put that intention out into the world. I wouldn't disagree. (laughs) And what I actually found is that my work environment and, and, the way people perceived me changed because there was, I was working with another woman. How so? Strength in numbers, maybe. (laughs) Uh, People are less likely to say, um, to make those comments, like the stupid little comments, like, oh, do you need help carrying your bag? Or, oh, you're what got you into this trade? Why are you here? You know, like just comments and there, there are so many of them. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying out loud here, but (laughs) um, once she, she came on board and she was, we were working together. People didn't ask questions anymore because it was less because it was too, I'm thinking it's because there was two of us and, uh, they they felt that maybe they were the ones that were behind now, you know. They're the exception. 
Lend yeah. some legitimacy to it or something. I'll tell you what, we could do an entire episode just on this dynamic, uh, the, the social implications of it and all <laughs> everything that goes along with that. Anyway, I'm uh uh at hand today. We wanna we wanna stay on focus with with what clearing obstacles is about. So I'm really eager, and again, I mean that as sincerely as possible. I'm I'm tempted to bring you back to talk about some of the the, the dynamics and implications of of that particular element of going electric in your business and your leadership specifically, but it's going to kill me to stay on focus with this, but let's try. Um, uh, so deep respect for taking that on, for confronting that head on. And, um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure the impact of that probably uh, plays a part in ways that you might not expect in other ways that it, it probably might expect as well. A little bit of a mixed bag there, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so tell us, uh, you know, you kind of said uh, a few words about the level of care and 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 quality of what what going electric brings to the industry and to your customers specifically. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about maybe your vision. Where do you see the company um, three years from now, five years from now? What's your longer term vision as much as you, you you're comfortable sharing? Well, my long-term vision, as I imagine most business owners' visions are, um, are uh, is is like systemizing the business and writing down the processes that we have that are just verbal at the moment, but also creating more processes to be more in tune with our customers and to provide them more value. Because um, right now our our workmanship is is great. But there are a lot of areas where we're lacking and a lot of areas we can improve on in order to provide a better service for our customers and not just not just our the quality of workmanship, but but the the way we communicate and the, and the um, the way we deliver our services and um, like our formula mm-hmm. for that. And, narrowing in on 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 the way we do things and um with the intention of profiting and also our to, for our customers to profit on our services as well yeah because there were because it's it's interesting our target market are contractors so they also need to profit on the work that we on the work that we do mm-hmm. um, what I'm hearing you describe too, by the way, is you're describing a lot about the process of how you get to that vision. Um, and so what I hear kind of bleeding through that, you know, talking about systems and processes and and documenting that and and um, kind of codifying the way that you deliver all of that. But that being the vision, right? The It's, it's a certain level of exceptional care, of consistency. Um, where do you see the company three to five years from now? How would it be different based on those processes those systems the 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 path that you took to get there what 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 do you see as the outcome the outcome for me um is to have that uh it's it's hard it's hard to exp- i i, I want to get into like really a lot of detail is that okay if i you bet go for it We've, we've got an editing team. We can we can pull some of this out of it if we go into the weeds. No worries. Okay. All right. Thank you for making me feel better about that. Um, <laughs> but okay. So, 
All right. Now I also feel better about like stalling a little bit to think about it. Um, so the vision, I hope I'm going to answer your question correct properly, but if not, I can ask it again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so the vision is, oh, there's so many, there's so many different ones though, you know, depending on if we're talking about our, so can I clarify your, your, oh, your question is pretty clear, but. Yeah. Restated so, as you hear it. So there's different visions based on like where, where the, so the just the big picture vision or are we getting you guys really, want to sell the company five years from now do you want to franchise it i want to build the company up so that we can sell if we want in five years yep options yeah so mm-hmm. building it up and uh documenting our systems so that we have yeah right now we have nothing to sell but yeah if we if we get now I'm feeling nervous. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Don't sweat it. I'm going to take a breath and I'm going to try and speak again in a moment. Sure. Take your time. So right now we don't have any written documentation or written processes like mm-hmm. I said before, but uh, so that's a main focus of ours is to work on our processes and systems, write them down into an operations manual Great. so that you have the option of selling in five years. Mm-hmm. If you want. It's not really our plan right now, but that would be the ultimate goal is to be valuable, like to have that value. Gotcha. Getting it to a place where where you have all of those choices, those options. Uh, I'll share this little story. I actually was one of my very first clients. We've been working together for almost three years. Their intention at the outset, they're actually Canadian as well. Their intention at the outset was to get the company, just like you described, to a place where they could have that kind of Michael Gerber turnkey operation ideal, right? Where you give them the ops manual and the keys and they hand you a check and everybody's happy. And that was their idealized outcome. And we got three years or so into working together and their business was really kind of at that place. And so, you know, me as their coach, I could, I kind of broached the subject. It's like, guys, okay, now, now's the time where we can start to exercise some of those options and consider talking to a broker and putting the business on the market. And it was two guys that were both partners. And one of them said, great, what do we do? How do we, how do we start that process? And the other guy said, hold, hold on. I finally got this company exactly where I want it. Why the hell would I want to sell it now? And and that stark contrast between the two of them, what was cool is one partner bought the other out and it, that company is actually still running full steam ahead. The other guy went off, did uh, what he actually kind of preferred to do and, and followed his own path. But what was cool was at that point in time, then they had the options. What I like to say to my clients is, is look, the first... 85, 90, 95% of the work is identical. It doesn't matter exactly what that outcome is. Do you want to pass to your kids? Do you want to sell it? Do you want to franchise it? Do you want to just step back from it and only work 20 hours a week? What all of those various outcomes, it almost doesn't matter for the first 80, 90% of the work. It's all exactly the same. And so, you know, you got a lot of time to decide, but getting the, the business to that level in and of itself is, is a very similar. In, in mm-hmm. terms of the process to get there. So 
what's cool is you're clear that you want to at least have the options. You don't even have to decide that today. What does the company look like though at that point? So it's consistent. It's um, hopefully relatively easy or, or systematized. It's kind of seamless and frictionless. Any other ways you can describe what that vision would be like? Do you want multiple locations? Do you want to take on the world? Do you want to be a billion dollar company? What are those ambitions like? They're not even that big. Yeah. I'm I'm not, I, I don't need a big lavish lifestyle. I don't need to make a lot of money. I'm really happy with what I have right now in my life. But I would like to have a business that is profitable. Yeah. And right now it's hit or miss. It's not, it's basically a not-for-profit most of the time. <laughs> yeah. It's a so lifestyle. It yes, it's a it's definitely a lifestyle. And I grew up with it being my father's lifestyle. And so it takes takes a lot of work to to change and to put in those processes to shift it from a lifestyle job to uh, a business. Yeah. Yeah. So if, so uh on that thread and, and you brought up something about profitability. Would you consider that to be maybe one of the biggest obstacles that you're you're facing right now? One of the biggest challenges that you have is just just basic profitability. Definitely. We don't I don't understand our we don't have a good enough grasp on our finances to really understand how much it costs us to run our business. Mm. So because of that, we don't, our prices are, they're not, I believe now it's only a feeling because I I don't even know at this moment Mm -hmm. where we're at, but I, I believe that we're, we're not charging enough because why else wouldn't we be profitable? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of moving pieces and parts uh, in the equation for profitability, but, but um, so let me ask you this. Um, and one of the most common questions, and, and by the way, you know, we've we've kind of already broached this subject on the show in, in previous times. This is a shame and blame-free zone. So when I ask these questions, it's it's not an indictment. It's it's frankly just a curiosity. It's for the sake of of triage, of getting some idea, some kind of a picture of where the business is at. So when I ask you this, just know that's where that's coming from. It's more diagnostic than an in an indictment. Um do you guys have a profit and loss that you could look at every month and understand it? We do have a profit and loss. We could look okay. at it every month. We could maybe understand it. I don't even know how accurate it is because I don't know. If That's where my next question. Okay, so it's not not necessarily reliable. You don't even know if it's reliable necessarily. I don't think it is reliable. Yeah. Do you have a person within the company whose role it is to manage finance? We have a bookkeeper um, and we do have an accountant, Mm -hmm. but essentially it's, it's my, it's become my job to, to be the finance, my manager. Right. Right. So here's, here's my guess. Tell me if I'm off on this. The bookkeeper is a technician. They enter the transactions. They reconcile the bank statements. The accountant does the taxes every year. And the big gaping hole so far is a financial, uh, uh, is is um, managerial accounting, right? There are different disciplines within accounting. The managerial accounting is the one that says, 
here's how we should be running operations in order to maximize profitability. That's very different from the tax side of the finance of a business. So I'm guessing you're that managerial accounting professional who is supposed to hold the role of CFO, controller, and and in-house accountant. Yes. Okay. Have many Uh, roles. Wear many hats at this moment. I would imagine. I you you might uh, guess why I was able to sort of throw the dart and, and hit that on the bullseye because again you're a pretty damn good company there. A lot of people say, well, we have an accountant, and and when they say that, what they mean is they have somebody who does their taxes every year, not necessarily somebody who manages the books, who attends to the day to day and week to week operations to ensure profitability and and compare this month's results to last and this year's to last year's and and create a budget for the operations of the company. That's that's a very different kind of accounting that when we rely on somebody to do our taxes, they're not looking at that stuff. They might have a few words to say about it, but they're they're putting your taxes taxes together every year. It's it's almost apples and oranges, not entirely, but big disparity there. So, um do you feel competent in that area to assess and plan for and make a budget? No. Okay. Not at all. I've, I'm an electrician by trade, and uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm very dedicated to my new role. I'm very passionate about it, but there's, I, I'm not going to lie to you and say I know everything. And yeah. I have a lot to learn, and especially when it comes to our to the financial system and, um, and our finances. And yeah. I, I've made, I've, I, I try and analyze um, the reports and I try and, and stay up with it and, and get in and understand why we we are where we are with our finances. Yep. But I, I definitely feel like I'm at the peak of stupidity. You know, that that graph. What's that called? <laughs> I would argue that I've encountered a lot of people that wouldn't even know where they're at on that map. So uh, you got a leg up there already, Chelsea. <laughs> I'm actually in the Valley of Despair right now. <laughs> there you go, Valley of Despair. It's a dark yeah. place to be. Here, Here's when it comes to business leadership, uh, I rarely, if ever, advocate, well, you really need to become uh, highly competent in the discipline of accounting and finance uh, as, as a leader. In the same way that I wouldn't expect any of my clients, and, and nor should we, expect them to become experts in the discipline of marketing or business law or right any of that stuff what what we advocate so strongly for is you need this that that term that we use is minimum requisite competency that level of knowing what you need to know so that you can delegate or hire that out right and but it you just got to have at least that base layer so that you could speak the language to a properly trained accountant or somebody who could manage your books that way, tell them what you need, assess whether or not they provide it to you, and then be able to respond accordingly to the information that they are able to give you, right? You don't you don't have to become CPA level material, just competent enough to talk intelligently to a CPA. <laughs> That's what we advocate for. So, right, the, 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 the threshold that you have to clear is, is actually much, much lower than you might think it is for anybody listening here. You, we're not asking some some extraordinary measure of competency in in the field of accounting. Like I said, in the same way with other disciplines, you just have to know enough to know what you need to know so that you can expect that from the professional and then know whether or not they provided that to you. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, so your bar is lower than, than you might be worried about. Um, 
So basically assessing, how do you know when you say you're not profitable in that case, how do you know at this point? Just by looking at our, our bottom line at this moment, yeah. that's bottom line being bank balance. Uh, bank balance. Yes. Is one yeah. of them. Yeah. I look at that frequently mm-hmm. and, and then looking at, you know, our profit and loss and looking at our, our uh, profit at the, at the very bottom. Gotcha. So the bookkeeper is competent enough to assemble those numbers as they come in. So you issue the invoices to the customers, they pay those invoices. She books that in the, in I assume QuickBooks or whatever your accounting software is. Uh, what do you use by the way? QuickBooks. QuickBooks, pretty common. Um, so she, she enters all of the information in there, generates a report, gives it to you. And by all measures, you have some level of confidence in what she's giving you. Yeah, I'm confident. Cool. Pretty confident. Good. Hey, man, seriously, you got a leg up on that one. Honestly, like when I I, I didn't say that uh, disparagingly or even hardly joking to say you look at your bank balance to assess how profitable, that's probably the rule more than the exception. So you got a leg up on that. Just the fact that you have a bookkeeper entering that stuff and you have a reasonable degree of confidence in those reports that you get. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, yeah. Do you guys have a budget? What's that? making me feel really good right now. <laughs> cool, you should. My god, leadership this is so hard. This isn't something that is for the for the weak at heart. This requires so much and and the expectations we put on ourselves have to be formed accordingly. Um so anyway, when you look at um the finance, well, let me back up ask that question I was about to ask. Do you guys have a, a budget or any kind of a forecast? Like, do you have some ideas as to what you expect 2023 to look like by December 31st? No. Okay. Cool. We got a good list here. We're starting to assemble some some things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, that sounds like the very first. So it's hard to assess how profitable you are if you don't necessarily have. confidence in the numbers. And it's hard to get to 100% in accounting because there are all kinds of places for things to hide, of course. But you want some, you know, you want enough confidence in your numbers that you can you can work from there. And it sounds like you do have that. So if you needed seven percent. Okay, cool. So if you look at those numbers on your PL, the various ones and, and usually the biggest ones are cost of goods or cost of service um and and the materials and supplies and labor for that payroll payrolls always usually always usually i like that one um is most often the biggest number on a pnl um so you can look at some of those and and you feel, do you feel like you have the appropriate knobs and levers that you can adjust accordingly so if you're like my god the payroll number is way higher than normal can you look at your payroll numbers and make that make that um, judgment? Are they high or low? No, because they're really consistent. Pretty consistent? Yeah. Cool. That's good. If they were all over the board, we'd say, oh, crap. <laughs> that Because <laughs> because it's real volatile, right? That You could have a, a, a really expensive month in payroll uh, kind of unexpectedly, and that could, that could really compromise your financial stability for sure. So consistency, that's good. And it gives you a baseline because month to month, if you're running, you know, 35% of, of your revenue is payroll. If you're, if you make 
I'm just throw a number out there for ease. If you make $100,000 a month in revenue and 35,000 of it is in payroll, that number pretty consistently gives you that 35%, you know, number that you can you can compare month to month to month and one year it's like 42% or one month it's 42%, you know something could be weird. Okay, so you're you're familiar enough with that that you can turn the knobs and pull the levers and make adjustments if you need to. I don't look at it that frequently, like the payroll, to be very honest, I, I don't look at our, our uh, reports all that frequently. Yeah. What numbers do you look at then, on, a, on a, on a report on a PL? What, oh, I look, I look at um, profit. Mm, I look bottom at, line, literally bottom line, net profit. Yeah, okay. I look at uh, sales and uh, cost of goods sold. Um, uh, I wish I had one up in front of me right now, but yeah, I look at I look at the big numbers mostly. I huh? skim very quickly at the little numbers, barely mm-hmm. paying them any attention, mm-hmm. and definitely could be focusing more on looking at those reports a lot more frequently. Yeah, let me. Something I want that I'm actively trying to improve upon right now. Great, great. So, sound, might sound like an innocuous question. Do you drive? You have a car. I do. Okay. Uh, you know that dashboard that's on your car. Mm-hmm. That's identifying what maybe a dozen different elements of what's going on under the hood, right? It gives you your speed, your RPMs, your gas. Uh, you know, the amount of fuel left in the tank, you've got these maybe a dozen different things you're looking at on the dashboard, but you know, there are literally thousands of things going on under the hood at any given second. There's no way you could pay attention to everything going on under the hood. That's why you have a dashboard. It's those most vital elements, um, those most key indicators that you'd be looking at to determine how your car is, right? How the health of the vehicle and how fast you're driving everything. We advocate the exact same thing when it comes to your financial report. So sure, you can generate a P&L, you can look, you can really drill down on every single account, but ultimately on a regular month to month basis, maybe week to week basis, you just need a dashboard. You need a, a specific set of elements that you can look at regularly that doesn't just bury you in information, but still gives you enough detail that you feel like you know an informed leader of, of your business. Do you, you don't have a dashboard yet by chance? We have the dashboard on QuickBooks. Uh-huh. That's that's a start. That's the very purpose of why Intuit puts that in their QuickBooks product is for at a glance, you can take a look at that and see what it's telling you. Yeah. Do you use that? I look at that. Okay, cool. Do you know if it's giving you all of those specific metrics that you need? There's a lot of things I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, when you're looking at the da- that dashboard, um, it's it's kind of a plain vanilla version that QuickBooks puts together for us, right? Uh, it's it's got some of the 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 most general numbers that everybody's going to look at. But what what we advocate for, of course, is to customize that. So, if you have very specific metrics that you need, you can tell QuickBooks to to include that or not include that on on your dashboard. I believe at least. 
versions that I used to work with. Um, and, and you can customize that. And then here's the thing. Sometimes there are numbers that it's not going to calculate. You might need to do off to the side, say in a separate spreadsheet or a separate tracking mechanism. Here's that example. So take that, that um, payroll number. So we use those arbitrary numbers, 100,000 in revenue and and 30,000 expense in payroll. That would be, and you can refer to that as like a, a payroll effectiveness ratio. It's a, just a really big word to a set of words there, a big term to describe how effectively you're using those payroll dollars. So for every $35 you spend in payroll, you can make $100 in revenue, right? So that's that's a ratio. I don't usually... A dashboard like QuickBooks doesn't necessarily provide that. You have to calculate that on your own off to the side. And that number right there, because the hard dollar number, you know, you might still pay $35,000 next month, but you only brought in $80,000 in revenue. That's going to make that ratio change dramatically, right? You're not using the payroll as effectively as you did the previous month. So the hard number by itself might not necessarily give you everything that you need, will it? You have to yeah. compare it to something else. It needs some context. So uh, if 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 I was to pull out a prescription pad, Chelsea, the first thing I do is say, making sure you've, you um, uh, work with your coach to establish some key financial indicators, the very, you know, put your own dashboard together that is specific, not just to your industry, but specific to, you know, going electric and, and the way that you manage. Right. Yeah, that that sounds like a very reasonable place. <laughs> and then the second thing would be getting somebody um, uh, who can help you with the managerial accounting part. Now, that might just be sitting down with a CPA and somebody who specializes in that specifically and telling them what your needs are. Can you? I, I need your help hooking me up. And maybe your bookkeeper is is um, competent enough to do that. Sometimes that's especially you know useful because they already understand the business. They know where everything is at. Um, asking them to help set that dashboard up. Or like I said, you can go in to a CPA firm and, and establish a relationship with somebody that way uh, that you can trust and have them set up your books that way. Now, that doesn't mean they need to come in and, and be your full-time or even part-time CFO. It just means they're helping you set it up and maybe advise you occasionally. And in that situation, um, like I was advocating earlier, you don't have to have that CPA level of understanding because you got your dashboard set up with that. Now, if you need to drill into any of those numbers and and see a little bit more of the detail that's going on, you're competent enough to do that because you've not only do you understand where that's coming from, but you've got somebody in your corner, like a, a licensed professional who understands some of those specifics as well, right? Right. What I'm okay. hearing is that I don't need to be an expert in every department. My God, you shouldn't be. If you are, you're probably distracted and you're not focusing on the, the vision of the company. You're busy playing technician as the as the accountant or the or the marketing person or social media or whatever all that stuff is. You probably even shouldn't be highly competent in every every one of those disciplines. Yeah, you're probably very right about that. <laughs> so I guess the heat is off, but the heat is turned up a little bit to get to that place where you know enough to inform a, a professional what needs to be done and then have them provide that to you. So while I got that prescription pad out, that'd be the the second thing I'd offer up is, is the suggestion of, of um, I would 
ask other colleagues, friends, associates, do they know of anybody in the industry, maybe who specializes in uh, electrician businesses, right? People who who do similar things to what you do. If if you can't find somebody that specialized, no worries. I think uh, you know a licensed CPA firm is going to be competent enough to be able to customize whatever you need. But I, I'd recommend exactly that: going out, interviewing, and literally sit down, cross the desk from somebody, or cross a Zoom call these days, and and just kind of interview them. Ask what their opinion is, um, uh, what they can provide you. Get a basic cost. Interviewing a professional like that usually not free. It's billable hours for them. Some some places offer those consults for free or a hundred bucks or kind of offer a special for that. They're not going to charge you that five hundred dollar an hour rate just for the consult, but some will. Their time is their time. Um, I'd I'd recommend that. Find two, maybe three different professionals, and they probably don't have to be local. They probably need to be within you in Toronto. Close. Close. Okay. Okay. Somebody within your state, within the region, whatever you need so that they're licensed within, they understand the the nuance of, of maybe the location that you're at. And, but they don't have to be somebody you can necessarily sit across the desk from. Usually you can get somebody in a different province and, and, you know, work with them over zoom or whatever, but they should probably be in, in the relative location where you are. So they're familiar with the laws and everything. But mm-hmm. I'd, I'd do that. I'd, I'd interview two, maybe three different professionals, see about fit, and then stay on top of them. Accountants, okay. there are some amazing ones out there. The industry on the whole is kind of like law and marketing and accountants, very specialized um, professions. And um, they all have their dysfunction. We all, every business has their dysfunction. Those three in particular, they are, tend to be very busy. And if you don't exactly know what you need from them and stay on them about it, oftentimes your case kind of gets buried a little bit and they'll, they'll provide you the minimum. If you're competent enough to stay on them and, and ask for, and frankly, insist upon what, what they've agreed to provide you with, you're going to be really surprised at how excellent they'll, they'll give you that care. Right. So what do we have so far? First one, put together a dashboard within QuickBooks. So that you can at least know what what is happening under the hood, right? Without getting buried in for information. And second, which will actually help facilitate that dashboard, is go and interview a, a couple of professionals, two, three, maybe more, if you have the time and and everything for that. Um, ideally, getting those from referrals. Um, that's that's ideal because people that you already trust, they understand who you are. Name recognition goes a long way. All of that. So. Those are the first couple of things. Now that's just tracking everything we've talked about so far, Chelsea. This is just about tracking your finance, the actual mechanics of running a business that's more profitable. Like what are some of those mechanisms? Maybe you just throw a few out there real quick. What what are some mechanisms you know that are available to you to increase your profitability? Well, uh, actually invoicing every job would, oh would gosh, be- yeah. Start. do the work you better get paid for yeah. it okay uh and and just tracking all the labor properly and so that's where i've been st- that's where i started and tracking um like job tracking all the materials properly because that's where so i've already started making those um changes because that's where we Great. were last. good for you so uh 
looking at job costing to ensure like to better understand what our profitability is on a job per job. Job by job, great. And uh, I mean, making sure, I mean, either we increase our our hourly rate or we increase our our profit margins or uh, markup or mm-hmm. we cut down on expenses, right? That's the only two ways you can make more of a profit. You got it. So in terms of the levers available to you, you've got two, increase revenue yeah. or reduce expenses. Now, yeah. Everything else that you uh, were talking about is perfectly legitimate, right? Invoicing all jobs, making sure every job gets invoiced. You could be charging you know, 7,000% profit margin. And if you're only invoicing one out of every 10 jobs, that's not going to be very useful. So some of those uh, uh, items that you ticked off there, absolutely vital, but big picture, you're right. The only levers you have are increase revenue or decrease expenses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So what do we have here? Invoicing all jobs and making sure that that's being tracked, tracking your labor materials um, and job costing. Uh, and then, of course, you can increase your prices accordingly, uh, whatever the market will bear, whatever um, you're worth, um, and then cutting expenses. I'm not thinking too many more just off the top of my head. Here's the thing, though. Once you quoting, when we do quoting, better quoting. Better quoting. Mm-hmm. So uh, say more about that. What do you mean? When, when I talked about quoting just there? Just there? Yeah, doing better. Uh, so quoting, quoting more accurately or quoting better. What do you mean by that exactly? Um, well, we don't have a system for anything really at this moment. Uh, so a lot of times what would happen is numbers would just get thrown out like word of mouth, like, Oh, it's probably gonna be around this much, you know, Yeah. (laughs) for some, like that was, you know, from some people who were doing sales, um, I can't name who, but you know, family businesses are a little tricky sometimes. Yes, they are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so numbers would just get thrown out there and then it ended up, we ended up, uh, so there was technically a quote, a verbal quote, but then in the end we did time material and okay. it turned out to be sometimes double what the verbal quote was. Mm. And, um, and people yeah, don't we're losing money that. on that job. Yeah. We're losing money in the end because we have to give discounts to appease people who complain. And, um, so that's another Another way, another, another way we've lost money over the the past year is mm-hmm. uh, discounts. Discounts. So people are complaining. Why are they complaining? Because uh, they're not properly. Uh, we don't communicate. We didn't. We didn't because we were putting. We've we've made some change. We're we're actively making changes right now when it, in that area in our quoting process, and we're putting mm-hmm. in processes uh, a system for that. Um, but, uh, sorry, what was your question again? Why are people complaining? Oh, we're yeah. not keeping them. Uh, yeah, so our communication with those people, those homeowners, um, was basically like zero, zero communication. Uh, from the start of the project, throughout the course of the project, and at the and, uh, only at the end, they only saw a number at the very end when we gave them the final invoice and yeah. that talking a lot of times. Yeah. So even the thread of communication from giving the quote all the way up through, all the way up through giving them the invoice at the end yeah. and, and 
performing service and all the steps in between, not necessarily communicating effectively with them. Yeah, exactly. Um, Our communication process or just communication and documentation um, is lacking. How about uh, uh, quality of service? Do they, do they, or do the complaints come from that? Well, they love what we do. That's, that's that's where we excel. Great quality, bad communication and documentation. Yeah. Are you guys shy about charging for what you're worth? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And that's, that's something that's been passed down. Like that's just part of our culture, right? That was something my dad was, he he hates invoicing. He hates quoting. He hates anything to do with money. It's Um, not relational. That's transactional. That's hard, especially for people who are relational. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he loves the people. He loves the the work. He loves like um, providing us a, a great service to someone. Uh, and he hates charging for it. And in yeah. the past, like, that's why a lot of times he'd rather just not invoice some people. Can you see go. why an owner should not wear every single hat? I mean, especially if their strength is being relational, the person who's performing the service, they should be hands off from the financial part of this, right? It 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 sort of like taints or corrupts the relational part in some transactions, not all the time. I mean, some people are, you know, are absolutely fine with it, but if you have to charge an extra 50 bucks for this component that wasn't on the invoice and 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 that's justified in order to actually complete the job, that hurts because you gave somebody what you thought the estimate was going to be. But if you've got somebody in finance that that's their role, they don't have to necessarily be relational. Hopefully they are always the very least professional and courteous and, you know, but at the end of the day, their strength, their function is to bill accordingly for the job that was performed. And there's a difference there. And so when somebody's trying to wear both of those hats, oh my gosh, forget about it. Yeah. It can be hard. It's hard. Yeah. Um, who does the invoice? Is it the bookkeeper who does that? No, I do that. You do that. What if mm-hmm. you were to what if you were to find a way to delegate that to the bookkeeper? That's an interesting question. Uh, I have to work on actually <laughs> refining our invoicing system before doing that, before of I course. can do that because it's uh yeah, right. Everything that that's that's why I find myself doing most things is because I'm I'm trying to come up with like better ways of doing what we're doing now. You bet. And um, and it's hard to it's hard to delegate that task to some people. Sure. Like I, I'm and I'm sure she's capable of 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 doing it, but there's going to be some things that are missed because there's not that trade knowledge. And right now we're really dependent on someone with that trade knowledge to fill in the gaps in the invoice. Sure. sure. So you're not a trained bookkeeper who is um, up to speed on on the different methods of invoicing and how that integrates into a financial system, just like your bookkeeper is not up to speed on industrial knowledge or institutional knowledge of, of how your business works. Uh, so you both got these gaps. Can you see how by, you know, Wonder Twin Powers... Yeah. Activation there would would fill in some of those holes. Yes. So what, what would it look like if you developed those systems with your bookkeeper who's a little bit more skilled in that? Yeah. I've never even thought of that. That's a great it requires some vulnerability because especially for leadership, because you're you're just 
laying it out there for them to see how sometimes you just don't really know what you're doing when it comes to that. That's incredibly vulnerable to somebody who directly reports to you, who you give a paycheck to every week or two, um, for them to see, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, I tell her that all the time. Do you? Okay, good. So that's, not, that's not a gap for you. Cool. No. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm not, that's not something that bothers me at all. Awesome. Good for you. So, so put putting that together with him or her. Her. Okay. So putting, putting your brains together on that and, and putting some, some process together on this invoicing, have her research. Uh, if there's a software, if there's a way to integrate that, um, I don't know if you guys use, do you use something like outsource, um, outsource some of your lead gen and, and service like through home advisor or Angie or any of those. Do you yeah. guys have that up there? Um, no, Jobber is another one I know of. Okay, I used to have an a Okay, we have Jobber. You use Jobber. Okay, I, I think that's more common with with Canadian businesses. Um, I think it's Canadian business, so yeah, I think so. Oh, is it really? Okay. Um, great company, great platform. I've had another Canadian client actually who used Jobber. That's where I learned about it in the first place. Um, okay, so finding ways within Jobber within the software you use for any of our listeners who aren't necessarily in this industry or necessarily use Jobber, but whatever platform you might use within your business, finding ways that you can leverage that platform or find another platform that has everything that you need um, and and combine your your heads on this one and, and find a an effective way to document those systems so that again, it's seamless, it's consistent, it's, it's frictionless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've put a lot in, of work in that area just recently, actually, so that we account for for all materials and everything. Yeah, everything. There was, there was huge gaps. I'll bet that. you got fifty yards of wire that somebody wasn't expecting, and and they just pull it from the truck and install it, and nobody charges for it. Yeah, we never kept track of wire. Gotcha. We just had it all in, like we had these line items that were supposed to. Um, account for all of the wire. We we just had it like bundled in in different uh, line items, and sure. it wasn't enough to cover the cost of wire. So right. uh, we're we're gonna see the difference now because we've just implemented like a better wire tracking process, and mm-hmm. now we're, we're like weighing the wire before and after every job, so we get like a very accurate sense of like how much we're using. Excellent. Yeah, so now we're going to see the difference and see um, like if if my feeling on this is correct or not. Yeah, and, I, I uh, can I can almost guarantee you that it will be spot on correct. I, like your your suspicion will be confirmed. A lot most businesses, especially service businesses like what you guys do, we bury that in the markup, right? Um, you know, if we miss a few things, we bury that in the markup. That's part of our margin, and. Uh, and then you cross your fingers and you hope and you pray that like there isn't too much stuff just bleeding out of the the service van and and you can account for it that way. That's that ain't no way to run a business, is it? <laughs> so identifying every specific and then you can have an accurate markup margin that that belongs on every invoice. Of course it does. Of course it does. You guys are in this for profit. That's the point. Mm-hmm. Um okay, cool. The um and so you right now you're kind of what the, some of the work that you're currently doing is going through your invoices and identifying basically some of the gaps, places where you guys might be hemorrhaging a little bit. Yeah. Profit. Okay. 
Yeah, and revisiting our price book and making sure all of our prices are up to date. Re, re um, and we're increasing our markup right now um, to be more on industry standards, more aligned with industry standards. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had calls um, with other professionals in the same industry to get an idea of like how much they charge and what the mm-hmm. markup is to, to ensure that we're aligned. Yeah. You have to be, you gotta be competitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and just making those changes in our pricing. Great. And imagine how much better it's going to be after you've got a few months of doing that. And then you can compare if you've got a baseline right now for how profitable you are or aren't, you make a, an adjustment to this and then compare it next month and then make an adjustment to something else. And you just make these incremental changes. And because you've got that baseline, you can actually track how effective it is or, or isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm okay. hoping that because we're tracking more and we're tracking accurately, I'll actually be able to do uh, job costing. Whereas I couldn't do it before because I, I never knew how much we were actually spending. Sure. On job. I could only go by the big number in QuickBooks, like the job materials. Mm-hmm. And um, the other big numbers you were talking about, <laughs> comparing it, that, doing the calculations that way in QuickBooks, yeah, right? yeah. but never, um, never like on a job per job by um, on each job. I could never do job costing. Now, that job costing and the written estimates piece, those are completely delegatable, aren't they? Well, at least partially. So you've got the industry knowledge, you've got the institutional knowledge that you can help somebody with, but those things might not be right in your in your wheelhouse. And having somebody else who's familiar with job or software or bookkeeping rules in general, um, frankly, somebody that can even assemble, help you assemble the systems and what happens from point A to, to Z and documenting each one of those steps. So that's a list of four that I've got so far. Yeah, I delegate that too. But that was a my my job, my task, a me thing. Yeah, well, you don't have to do it in a silo though. If you if you uh, get your bookkeeper on board for any of that stuff, if you have anybody else administratively, you could within the organization right now might be a good time to consider hiring an administrative assistant to help you with some of this stuff. That's always, it's, although it's an expense, that kind of an expense is an investment more than just an outright outlay of cash, right? Because you expect what's the definition of investment, spend a dollar, hope you get two. It's not just for the expense itself. You're hoping to generate more opportunity uh, based on whatever you're spending for that. So getting somebody administratively to help you with that so you can not only probably get it done more efficiently, because I don't know about you, but Chelsea, I would imagine you start when you're like, okay, I've got an hour I'm going to dedicate to trying to nail down our job costing approach. And you sit down for an hour and correct me if I'm wrong, but then you get a text from somebody in the field and they need help with this, or they need an answer for that. Or then the vendor calls you and then that hour just kind of vaporizes and you weren't able to dedicate that time. Yeah, that's normally what happens. That's right. <laughs> That's why all these things haven't been done yet. Right. So if you've got somebody and that is their only job, right? And an admin assistant or or maybe, again, maybe your bookkeeper is already equipped to do some of this stuff. Who knows? Um, well, you will if you ask them and, and challenge them with that. But getting somebody who whose job it is specifically to help you set up some of these systems 
all kinds of, of tools available too when it comes to systematizing things. You could do screen recordings. You can literally just pull out your phone and record the process of somebody doing it um, from point A to B to C to D to and, and so on. And then after the fact, somebody can actually write that stuff out, right? Again, you could record yourself doing it, give that to somebody else, delegate them to write out the process that keeps your hands clean of it. You've just done it once. If you've got technicians in the field when they're doing it, record them. If they're the best one at it, record them in process doing it. What that's going to do is it's going to give you the documentation of that system that you can later go back and sort of pull it apart, dissect it and see, is this as efficient as it could be? Is it as effective as it can be? Does this represent our brand? Like, is this how we should be doing it? When you can observe it objectively after the fact and recording is usually the best way to do it, whether it's screen recording or literally just with your phone camera, recording that action in process, you can pull it apart later and and really kind of, you know, put it under the microscope and make sure that it's happening as it should. And then you're not necessarily the one doing every little bit of it. You maybe hold the camera while your technician does it in their expert level way, and then you give it to somebody else to document step by step by step. Wow, this feels freeing, this conversation, actually, because I now I probably shouldn't have been under this this impression. And uh, but I I was just doing it all myself. Yeah, <laughs> like every step of it. Yeah. Well, you're in good company. Most most of us are. Yeah, um, yeah it takes it, it. It's so hard for leadership and, and for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's insecurity. Sometimes it's. Um, I don't know if I can afford it. Sometimes it's just your control freak. There's all kinds of reasons why <laughs> my assistant's looking at me right now. Yeah. <laughs> I see you. Um, That's so, what it comes down to. It's can we afford it? Or should I be paying someone else to do this when I could do it? But in the end, like I get paid as well. So if I'm not as efficient in doing that task, then it makes way more sense for me to hire someone who is more efficient. Is efficient. Oh my God, there you go. Because probably don't have to pay him as much as I pay myself. That light bulb just went off. Did you see it get brighter in here, you guys? I think, <laughs> um, I think the sun just came in. You're absolutely right. Not only do you not have to do it, some of those things, Chelsea, you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And now, I think a lot. I'm like, I, I'm not, I don't always feel a lot of, a lot of times I don't feel that I am the right person for the job. Like I'm not qualified to do these things I'm trying to do sometimes. Sure. Yeah. And, and chances are you very well might not be that voice is telling you that for a reason. I'm not, I'm in the, I'm in Pika's Valley of despair. <laughs> Back to the Valley of despair. Oh my gosh, we got to get you. Oh, I can hear the listeners right now posting comments, feedback, somebody sharing. Yeah, sure. Easy for you to say, where am I going to come up with the money to hire that person or hire those people? How am I going to hire this whole armada of people to help me with this stuff? Well, baby steps, right? Some of this, that's, that is part of, you need enough financial clarity to be able to discern, can we afford another 500 bucks a week, 500 bucks a month. Can, what can we afford to start delegating some of this stuff out and budgeting for that, right? And, and just giving yourself just enough slack in the line to be able to start hiring some of that. And again, like I said, it's an investment. So if, if that $500 a week is going to free you up and allow you guys to collect 
$1,000 more a week in revenue because your processes are seamless and tight, that's a no-brainer. It just is going to require you to, to get that first, kind of that first launch of whatever that expense is, that investment is. So start with baby steps. Get some, what's the, what's the biggest lever you can pull in terms of recovering some of that profit? Um, and to me, it seems like it would be like invoicing accurately and consistently as from our conversation today, that seems like one of the biggest levers. I just thought of something else. What? Collections. Oh, oh my gosh. You got deadbeats. What was that? Deadbeats. People who, people you've built and they don't pay. Yeah. We just don't call them. Not acceptable. Oh my gosh. Those conversations are so uncomfortable, but if you invest an hour in that and you recover a thousand dollars, you just do the math on that. That's a thousand bucks an hour available to your company. Make those goddamn phone calls. I know it's been my intention to hire someone to do that because I don't want to do it. Yeah. And that's probably why it hasn't been getting done because no one wants to do it. Uh, at Chelsea's bookkeeper, if, if you happen to be listening to this, you, you, you better sharpen your, sharpen your tools here, girl. Um, so she sells some collections, but it's not something we have a process for, you know, we no, have I'm, I'm, automated yeah. emails that go out, but that's it. You know, like little reminder emails yeah. that you're paying this, but no one calls. Yeah. I, I kid you not. I swear. And, and if he's happened to be listening to this, he will, he will appreciate this. Uh, one of my clients, they literally created a, a persona, a non-person entity who oh. is their collections in their collections office. So there's not even a person attached to it. Their bookkeeper created this avatar of a person and they do the collection. So when you get an email from their collections person, it's not actually a person. And that <laughs> dissociation, I swear to God, because but it was the answer for them because then they don't have any kind of confronting personal baggage with asking people for what is required of them. I advocate step up if you need to. This is your own self-worth that's at stake here. You guys did the work. They, you should damn well be getting paid for it. But look, sometimes <laughs> know your strengths. And if you struggle with that, create a fictitious bookkeeper and send send those letters that have a little bit of teeth if you need to. We hate to do this, but if we have to seek legal remedy, we will. Let's get on the phone and find a way to work this out. Whatever you need to do to get the collection. So, all right, collect. I'm going to put that on that list, by the way, some follow-up on collections. Create that avatar. I like yeah, that. If you, if you need to do that, it works. All right, Chelsea, what haven't we talked about today that you feel like, God, if we could have made some traction on this or, or any gaps in, in all of this incredibly enlightening material that we've covered today, where you poke some holes in it real quick. What do you got? Put on your skeptic hat for a sec. Well, covered a lot. There's really, really lots of great things. Um, skeptic hat. Not great when I'm put like on the spotlight like this. <laughs> no worries. An example of what I gave earlier was like I can I can just picture listeners right now going, yeah, sure, easy for you to say. I'll just go hire an armada of people to do all this stuff for me, and that's not exactly how it works. And they're right. I mean, so it's it like in that situation, putting on a skeptic hat would say I can't just go hire a you know five admin assistants to do all this stuff. I can't delegate all that, and they're right. You probably can't, but you can probably. Just start with six hours a week, bring in somebody. If you got to hire a temp service, if you know of, you know, 
a cousin or a friend. They've got a, a, a kid who is competent enough to follow some directions, who can write instructions, even at a bargain, you can get the ball rolling on this. Yeah, I I actually have been um, talking to a lady who is um, who is like admin for hire and mm-hmm. he works virtually and is on a need basis. Like you, you have a task you need done, you just mm-hmm. send her that task and she'll do it for you on a for nice. like just by the in fifteen minute increments. Like she, that's how she charges. Oh, stellar like really reasonable and i've been thinking about her a lot now that we're just like in this conversation yeah yeah that's probably the route i'm gonna take is to reach out to her and you bet and when you're running finance you know when you're running on a on a kind of a shoestring budget or it's it's really tough you can bootstrap that stuff again like i said six hours at a time just again view this as an investment as much as possible so if six hours at let's just say 20 bucks an hour, that's going to be $120 this week that you're going to invest in that person to create the system. You get one invoice wrong. What's it cost you? I, I guarantee, I, let me answer it for you. It's more than $150, $120, right? You just turned a profit on that investment of getting somebody to systematize that part for you. Oh, yeah. So baby steps on that. If you have to, if you could be aggressive, you can be like, time to hire two full-time people tomorrow. Let's let's start recruiting and hiring immediately. Great. If you can afford that and you're ready to do that, go for it. But most of us that, you know, we need to dip a toe. I guess what's what where my mind goes and what stops me from um, wanting to hire someone full-time to do these tasks is like mm-hmm. a lot of these tasks are things that I do. So then what what would I what what's my what would I do if I'm not doing those tasks? Because I would do more, more of the big, the uh, entrepreneurial thinking and, and actually, well, I guess I still need to manage those tasks and and delegate as well. You're still managing the team who's doing a lot of that work. So, right. To kind of a hat tip to the the whole E-Myth approach, there's the technician, the manager and the entrepreneur and and first and foremost you have to get out of technician role but what that usually means is you step into a managerial role and again it's not purely entrepreneurial but you've you've upped your value the ranks you can hire technicians cheaper than managers and managers hire you can hire cheaper than than the visionaries so again going with that scale higher technicians great so if you just step into more managerial capacity for your company so be it that's far more valuable work than you being the one who's writing invoices or or kind of doing some of the the technician work far more valuable i have a feeling chelsea that you would definitely find a way to fill that calendar <laughs> oh, i know i will i know i will because my to-do list doesn't ever get shorter it only gets longer yeah so yeah. i could well, the time. Yeah. Well, you'd have a chance to triage that and, and identify. In fact, I would say maybe doing that, looking at your to-do list right now. I'm going to put that on the list and that's going to be all we have time for today. You're for putting that on your to-do list. Triage your to-do list, right? Export that to an Excel spreadsheet if you have to, whatever that's going to look like. Put it in and have a column for, is this delegatable? Right. And, and just start tracking that. That's going to give you, and then sort by that list and and right away, you're going to see that list shrink and your value go up. Yeah, that's exciting. Triage that, that task list. 
All right. Um, okay. For those paying attention here, uh, and for those maybe not, here's the list that I got. You tell me if any of these make sense, we need to expand more upon them. First one is creating that dashboard for your finances. So you you kind of can see what's going on under the hood without being swamped by the, the volume of information. Interview two to three accountants, ideally ones that you've gotten from referrals. Now those can be somebody who you bring in internally and they dedicate 10 hours a week to you or five hours a week to you, five hours a month, or it's just a, a, a firm external to you and they help set you up with somebody inside their, their firm. Um, uh, nailing the written estimates. Um, uh, again, with room for modification and adjustments as needed so that you're, you're essentially when, when a prospect becomes a customer, you're entering into some measure of a contract and, um, I'm all for a handshake and a verbal agreement. However, when you've got, um, some of those frustrations from your customers, you said you end up with discounts that you really shouldn't have had to give discounts. So getting this stuff in writing, it's just good business practice, of course. And so, um, uh, establishing written estimates and, and making that non-negotiable, setting up some job costing. That's the fourth item. Um, what that's going to do again is allow for consistency and help you identify the places where you might be hemorrhaging. Like you said, even just the wire, the materials and, and, and the costs for everything that will also make you more competitive Chelsea, because if, if you can trim down every single job to exactly what they're going to need, you're going to be able to price that out at a level that doesn't have to have all kind of extra padding and stuff in it that, that um, is what's going to get you through to make sure you're not losing money on every job. You'll be able to, when you can be more precise in the job costing and the estimates that you're giving, you can be competitive in, in what you're quoting. Um, that's the fourth one. Follow up on collections. That's number five. You've got money literally just sitting there. Yeah. Um, uh, number six is begin delegating some of this stuff. So, and, and that goes hand in hand with the final one, number seven, triaging your task list. If you go through your task list right now, itemize what is able to be delegated, what you should and shouldn't be doing. That's going to, that's a good starting point for you to identify um, how you might be able to outsource some of this stuff or delegate some of this stuff to somebody else. You should be doing the work that you should be doing. Yeah. Cool. That sounds all really great. Get you the hell out of that valley of despair. That ain't no place <laughs> to live. <laughs> well, Chelsea, it's been fantastic having you here. I'm so glad I got to meet you. And if you have any questions, you know how to, to get in touch with the same thing with any of our listeners. If anything here resonated to you, if any of you have put on your skeptic hats and uh, have identified some place where we have holes, bring it to our attention. Always uh, open to that kind of feedback. It makes us better coaches, makes you better business owners. And um, thank you again for your time, Chelsea. Have a wonderful week. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for all your help. Thank you. We hope you've gotten the value you were looking for on today's episode. If you want more like this, please scan the QR code that you'll find on the show notes or go to clearingobstacles.com for more information. There, you'll find links to other episodes as well as how you can get in touch with us to set up your own customized coaching experience on a regular basis to clear your own obstacles. Your business should serve your life and uh, let us help you get there from here because nobody should do this on their own. We want to thank you for listening and gratefully acknowledge everyone who helped make this podcast possible. And a special thanks to our supreme assistant and navigator, Noah Wertheiser, to Arctic E for the brilliant musical themes of Clearing Obstacles, and to the team at Hivecast for your amazing work and legendary patience. Thanks for listening.